1: This ad-free episode of Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is made possible through a grant provided by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. From Offscript Media, I am Matthew Zachary, and this is Out of Patience. On today's show... Andrew and I welcome two incredibly inspiring people to opine on the current status of lung cancer. You know, stigma, the increasing prevalence in young women, new treatment options, all that good stuff. And as an added bonus, both guests are cancer survivors because cancer survivor is the LinkedIn profile skill that no one wants to have. Anyway, Nina Beatty is the creator of the MPAT Cancer Project, a nonprofit that uses technology to increase meaningful communication for those with cancer, and a legacy friend of mine, Katie Brown, Vice President of Support and Survivorship Programs at the Longevity Foundation. And a quick disclaimer to our listeners, that this episode was taped live at Offscript Media Studios in New York City, long before the COVID pandemic set the world on fire. Enjoy our conversation. And here we are back at Offscript Media headquarters. I'm surrounded by some incredible people for this particular episode, the least of which being Andrew McDowell. Hello, sir. That's me, the least among you, Andrew McDowell. <laughs> Great to be here. But again, the throwback shows that I'm doing now, I get to reunite with incredible people who were part of my past, who are still part of my present, and will ideally be part of my future who were the breakfast club rap scallion, mod squads of people that were boots on the ground, yelling and screaming, and Katie Brown from Longevity. You were one of them way back in the day. I was. Welcome back, not to the Stupid Cancer Show, but welcome back to sitting across from me with a microphone <laughs> in front of your face. Good morning. How you doing?
2: Good. I'm great. How are you?
1: Is this your first time in New York in a while?
2: It it's my first time this year. Oh yeah. But it's my first time in studio with you. Very nice. I usually just call in.
1: Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Eye contact is a beautiful thing. Yes. Right. <laughs> we are also joined here today by Nina Beatty. Welcome. Welcome. I don't know how it's possible we know as many people in common as we do and we've never met before. Because being I, new yorkers yeah and cancer people and advocates yeah
0: yeah i don't know but i'm really happy to be here
1: it's phenomenal to have you here yeah. in the studio uh i was looking just on linkedin because linkedin of course is the mm. barometer for mm. you know how cool you are these days right. and we have 387 common connections now i know in the linkedin media uh, the, the linkedin bell curve that mm. means nothing right but of course <laughs> There's a fraction of those people that are truly important. I mean, Katie being amongst them, of course, you're welcome. But <laughs> it's incredible how we've never really crossed paths. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I admire what you've done. Um, I think that what you put together with your nonprofit is very innovative. We're going to talk about that. And clearly, you have an incredible story to tell because it's not just the nuances of, oh, here's my story. There's a lot packed in there that are really important nuggets people can take away from how they can choose to live their life and make a difference and be proactive and be their advocate. So, but let's start with, you know, we could just say, stupid lung cancer. Mm-hmm. I, think, <laughs> I, I think I can still get away with that. The word stupid yeah, yeah. itself.
2: Lung cancer is stupid. Isn't trademarked that? though. <laughs> so stupid lung cancer. Stupid yeah. lung
0: cancer. All right, <laughs> But works.
1: this goes back to, you know, Katie, when we were first talking about this, the young adult lung cancer conversation, which is the right. largely women- who, out of nowhere... Right. ...non-smoking, healthy, they recycle, you know, they're, they're <laughs> eco-friendly, they're vegan. They run marathons. They, they run marathons, you know, and how the hell could I get lung cancer? Right. And that was even before we knew there were, like, 80 kinds of lung cancers. Right,
2: right. So let's
1: talk about the origin of what was lung cancer like when you you've been in this a long time
2: yeah a long time since um 2002 actually and my dad was diagnosed with small cell lung cancer and back then it was just small cell and non-small cell um there wasn't there there wasn't all these different types of lung cancer out there there wasn't any treatment options out there either um not you know, other than chemotherapy and radiation, which mm. is what they had used 30 years before he was diagnosed. So we've Same come shit, different day. a long way. Yeah, lots of shit. <laughs> we've <laughs> come a long way. It's okay.
1: This this show, you know, not a charity. We do we want. <laughs> yeah. Andrew's leering at me.
3: <laughs> it's don't all good. Don't make her it's say shit. No, don't. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay.
1: So uh, if you were to look, histologically the last you know obviously wow almost 20 full years since you've been doing this what are the most striking shifts and changes in the way we think about lung cancer in the the stigma and the judgments and the perceptions people have young adult or otherwise the entire cancer conversation has changed at least in this country with a focus on quality of life and uh, personal interests and this the jargon of personalized medicine. What's your perspective from your perch?
2: So from my perch, kind of looking backwards, um, technology has been huge in the role of self-advocacy and patient advocacy and advocacy organizations. So just having a show like this, just having um, uh, social media platforms, being able to share your story and blogs and and, um, other forms of media um, have really shined the light on a lot of our unmet needs and the barriers to care that patients deserve. So I've seen just a huge progress in in that regard. Um, Also, I've seen a lot of progress in terms of of research in lung cancer because, like I said, with my dad's diagnosis, there were no real options for him. And today there are um, clinical trials that are keeping people alive, like stage four patients alive for decades.
1: Well, that's the idea. the The landscape has drastically changed, and the the uh, I I think about like how the FDA used to approve maybe four drugs a year, and then starting maybe in twenty sixteen they were approving like, like sixty drugs a year. Right, and then this one new indication was found to help another. Like the drug is, uh, it has tentacles, good tentacles. Like right. just because we're not targeting, this drug is only for kidney cancer. It also helps melanoma and it also mm-hmm. helps Hodgkin's lymphoma. This idea of the, these, these unicorn drugs right. have truly transformed the landscape. But you're seeing that incredibly prevalent in lung cancer specifically.
2: Specifically in lung cancer. And then with the identification of biomarkers in certain types of lung cancer, that also goes towards targeted therapies and precision medicine and that's helping people live longer and better with lung cancer
1: especially the relapse patients too that's a whole other world of like you know it's one thing to get it once and you think you're out of the woods and but then again hey you know back with a vengeance since now even today there's stuff for you
2: yes absolutely
1: one question i'm curious
3: about the fact that the fda is processing more therapies and approving more therapies than they did in the past? Is that due to major innovations? Is it due to increased efficiency at the FDA? Is it due to increased advocacy? Is it all of them? Is it something else? Yeah,
2: I would say all of the above. Um, I know at Longevity, we have um, a great relationship with the folks at the FDA, and we make it a point to bring patients to the table so that they can see, you know, essentially who they're working for. And um, the patients let them know, you know, what, what those gaps are and how they can sort of streamline the process and make things a little bit better. You know, patients want treatment options. Mm.
1: So let's hand it over to our special guest, Nina Beatty. You've been sitting there very patiently like squirming to, I have so much to say. It is the floor is yours. You have an incredible story to tell. Take us away.
0: Uh, Well, I guess I came at the, the, the fortunate time in life. I mean, it's so great because I was very aware I was diagnosed in 2014. And at that time, they did. Ha- uh, I was had standard treatment, which was chemo, radiation, and then prophylactic radiation to the brain. That was a hard one to decide on. Right. Um, but I just went and I found out that they have the same protocol in, in the BAM, British Association. And I thought, well, if they got it over there in England, they got it here. It isn't just a crazy American thing. Blimey. Blimey. <laughs> so uh, that encouraged me to go be brave and go get the. Prophylactic brain radiation.
1: You were given the choice, though. You were made aware of it. Uh,
0: yes, and and we'll put a pin on that because I've had to really coach people about that. So many people who were terrified the way I was to get when there's no evidence of cancer in your brain. It's hard to get people to say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to sign up for brain radiation." Right. <laughs> Woohoo, You know, I'm like no, I don't think so. So it was a tough decision, but um, because I realized it was part of the protocol, the small cell moves really fast. Um, as opposed to non-small cell.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that okay. because we were discussing before the show, I've done a lot of work in mm. hematology mm. and there's Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's. Right. Thanks for naming that, Docs. <laughs> so let's. What what is the difference between small cell and non? I, obviously beyond the, the non-existence of a small cell, I'm assuming. Is that what it is? It's there or it's not. A small cell is non-there or I'm just an armchair idiot. Go ahead. Uh,
0: well, from what I understand, it's that it's much smaller, um, and it's uh, what when they look under a microscope, it's it's glass. It's like it's, it's like ground glass particles. Well, it's oh. like oatmeal. Yeah, it's like oatmeal. And so that sounds lovely because know, right? it you can't have surgery because if you have surgery on your on your tumor, it'll just spread the whole thing wide open. Oh my! Like and a and glitter that, bomb. <laughs> Yeah. All right,
1: so we know it's a glitter bomb.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah that's a good way All of right. putting it. You know, I will never look at glitter the time. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and again, you're
0: welcome. And then the whole thing is once you, let's say you, get, you go through the chemo radiation, um, it goes, the body is now... Prime to have the little cells are going to go. I know where we didn't go. The brain. Let's go to the brain, <laughs> my little pretties. You know. So then it goes up to the brain. <laughs> that was
1: that was a quality <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's how I envisioned it. I really did. It's like because I have to t- talk to people about right, it, right. You know? So then I say, and we don't want it up there, do we? Now, <laughs> you know, in your get little you brain neurons, <laughs> like no, and and then. So then, okay, so then it's up there and then you get brain cancer. So you really want to protect that, prevent that. That's why it's called prophylactic.
1: Is there a risk associated with that? Like if if they told me you have a 5% chance of brain metastases, I probably wouldn't do this. But if they said you have a 95% chance that this is going to hit your brain in the next 10 years, yeah, zap me.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know the statistics. I just know that it was strongly recommended by the radiologists.
2: Yeah, it's um, small cell and non-small cell. So small cell is about 15% of the di- the lung cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And whereas non-small cell, you'll have um, formed tumors or masses, um, small cell is more like oatmeal. It's kind of and, – and I love the glitter analogy. I always thought of it, and that's so beautiful because um, I, I lost my dad to lung cancer. I always – Think of it as like a gunshot blast. Right. And so that's it's very difficult to do surgery or to do any type of targeted treatment on a gunshot blast or glitter or oatmeal. And so um, if you're very lucky and it's found by accident because there are no symptoms Mm -hmm. until later stages, um, some people might be able to have surgery, but the majority of people to date um, have had to have standard treatment. And it does tend to spread and the first place is that it goes is to the brain and that's right. where it went with my dad as well
1: ah. are there different stages of lung cancer small cell non-small cell like like there are with other cancers
2: yeah so with non-small cell there is stage one through stage four um, after you know stage three is metastatic outside of the lung um, and then with small cell, Historically, it's been limited stage and extensive stage, but now they're trying to put numbers on that right. as well because they're coming out with, they're doing a lot of research into small cell and they're coming out with some um, targeted treatment plans for those folks.
1: But it's nice to have a, like, a, a, a some kind of real scale attached right. to, you know, it's all right and holy shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm very aware of my breathing.
3: During this conversation and, huh. and the organs that i'm using to to do that breathing
1: with
0: hmm.
1: yeah so what were your symptoms um speaking it, of breathing and I, yeah, lung cancer.
0: i i think what katie said is right i almost had almost no symptoms um except that i did pilates and i had trouble holding my breath for four counts and friends this is kind of interesting i had a lot of friends like oh it's winter you just have some sort of respiratory thing and, but part of me knew because i was aware of my body that there was something slightly wrong and so when i got to the point where i had an early detection scan which is a whole other thing um i wasn't i went and got the scan partially because i think i was aware that um something in the back of my mind told me it was a good good thing to do
1: well you know your body
0: yeah So I thought that's odd. And it turned out the fluid had already begun filling up in my lungs in reaction to the cancer. Wow. But it was was way at the bottom of my lungs. They didn't even have to aspirate it. But I was diagnosed as um, treatable stage. And uh, it's treatable and untreatable, which is pretty horrifying. You know,
1: that is the worst (laughs) binary recommendation ever from a doctor.
0: Well, we We can
1: cure you or see you.
0: But actually, that happened to me. Oh, that sat next to a woman where she was in the other category no, she no. said they didn't tell me to go get some clinical trial What? what, what? and then when I realized they well there her probably
2: wasn't one then for her you know she cause... was too
0: advanced right
2: right but so, you know they're working yeah. on trials for advanced stage now too yeah. Yeah. so for someone who lost their dad to to extensive stage lung cancer um that's that's very exciting for me Mm. i wish he would have been diagnosed today rather than in 2002 but um it's it's very exciting especially for all of the patients that we support at longevity
1: yeah i think it's important to talk about judgments and stigma i alluded to this before it was at the cornerstone of stupid cancer where you know you want to join a community that 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 understands what you're going through this Jargon today of peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer health is important, but it's basically tribal. You want to find that tribe that gets it and won't say this or this or this. And you it, You mentioned before the show that you were a smoker, but you stopped at the age of 30, which was a while ago, and yet still you're predisposed to this. But were you made aware of that predisposition?
0: Not at all. I've I've actually had to tell people, did you smoke? I have had to be an advocate in a way, saying, did you smoke? If you gave up, it doesn't mean if you had a certain kind of smoking history that you won't get it the way I did when you turned sixty.
1: You're not out of the woods, right? By going cold turkey,
0: if you breathe, you're not out of the woods, right? Oh, that's a good point.
1: That's the only thing you know. This uh, this this fun running joke amongst my my cronies in the last fifteen years is there's no such thing as prevention except maybe pet ownership (laughs) don't get a dog and then you will never be an owner of a pet there you go right so what are the other causes of lung cancer
2: well there's pollution the world health organization um put out a a report not too long ago about the effects of pollution um for uh for folks diagnosed with lung cancer who didn't have a smoking history there's radon there's asbestos they're doing a lot of research into whether or not there's a, a hereditary component, you know, family history. Um, and then, you know, sometimes we just have bad genes. Bad luck. Bad luck.
1: There was a report out of The Guardian a couple of years ago, and it was very controversial. So, of course, I had the author on the show, which basically said that cancer is a combination of bad luck and bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> and today we call those social determinants of health. Mm-hmm another jargon thing going on there basically means that the shit that happened to you will cause other shit to happen to you Mm -hmm. no one ever explains it that simply before but i love the fact that in the advocate pay it forward model here and andrew you smoked for a while and then you stopped when you were 33 and it was a long time ago and you are now aware oh maybe for the first time that that didn't end your risk of pet ownership Yeah, I
3: stopped uh, out of concern for my health, of course. And doing so is, of course, advisable. Uh, knowing yeah, just
2: don't start. Yeah, don't yeah.
3: start, but yeah. please stop. No, knowing <laughs> right. that you can still get lung cancer after quitting smoking should not discourage anyone from quitting smoking.
2: No, absolutely not, because smoking, um, uh, smoking cigarettes can cause you know heart disease and a plethora of other diseases. So quit, quit, quit. But just because you quit or just because you never smoked doesn't mean that you can't get lung cancer.
1: Right, which goes to one of the things that my friend Fran Drescher said on the record is that the only cure is stage one. (laughs) And what that means different things to different people. But this idea of if there is a way to actually look at your body and see if you are predisposed to some crazy shit happening, you should probably do that if it's affordable, accessible, and affordable and accessible. Right. So... Nina you were made aware of a screening or some way to figure out just because I smoked what are my risks for these things and can I do something talk to us about that
0: um well at the time my mother had what they call regular lung cancer good
1: old-fashioned lung cancer
0: (laughs) good old non smell and she was um sort of not doing that well she actually had uh it was on Uh, oxygen and stuff like that so she happened to have a good relationship with a radiologist who stopped by when I was there for lunch and her radiologist asked my smoking history and it was her radiologist who said you know you grew up in New York a lot of pollution your mother was a four pack a day smoker so there was lots of car rides where we all had to smoke right so i remember you, those right yeah mm.
1: airplanes yes
2: yeah airplanes
1: good old-fashioned pan am cigarette smoking cabins yeah or your office yeah. new york yeah. bars yeah yeah oh yeah Rip pan am mm-hmm.
0: so she she said i was low risk but but i should get the skin anyway just because of these other factors which we we didn't even think about i mean did you andrew Oh no. Think about these other things. Yeah. So, uh, that's how I got the scan.
1: And is it like a CT scan? Is it a specialized scan?
0: It's a low dosage CT scan. So it's not going to have a lot of radiation. And, um, I think it's been improved now as a, prevention. It is. So
2: um, a group of lung cancer advocacy organizations really pushed for some sort of early screening for people with lung cancer. Um, Fortunately and unfortunately, the fortunate part is that we were able to get um, early CT screening for people with a smoking history. Um, There are criteria. You have to be 55 or older. You have to have had um, a 30-pack-year smoking history to qualify for that. Um, so that's either 30 years, one pack a day, or 15 years at two packs a day. Um, or and- seven
1: and a half years at three packs a day. I could <laughs> yes. go on and on. This on is just math.
2: And, um, and I- I'm feeling
3: oddly disappointed that I don't qualify for either of those. <laughs> right?
2: Well, maybe you do. You just don't know. Just <laughs> you don't, you might not remember. <laughs> right, right.
1: It's a long time ago, the blackout years. It is. Hmm.
2: Um, so while I, you know, we encourage that for anybody that has a smoking history and that fits that criteria, Um, And that's that's covered by Medicare right now is um, it it doesn't help the people with no smoking history. Correct. You know, there's still no um, mammogram for people with lung cancer. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's not that Mm -hmm. test. There's Mm -hmm. not that blood work yet.
1: Lest we forget the lung brush. Oh, the Saturday Night Live skit from the 1980s (laughs) where they put a a, um, a a toilet. Scrubbing thing oh down gosh. your esophagus, you. We'll, we'll put. A, I will find this oh, on yes, YouTube. Please do, please do. it is one of the funniest SNL skits oh called goodness. the Lung Brush. I'm gonna oh, have as wow. a cure for giggle lung out. cancer. I'm
2: gonna give it So out. let's
1: <laughs> bring back the Lung Brush. Yeah.
2: Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, the dentists have the solution. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but to your point, uh, Katie, this this alliance. I hate the word alliance and coalitions, yeah. but there really was a a strong banding together of advocate groups that at least got this Mm -hmm. in place because if you do have a history of smoking and you haven't even smoked in 20 years Right You should have the right to know you're at risk Right and get that stage one or pre get this crap out of my body stuff Right (laughs) And dive something else
2: Right And for those people who are still smoking you know at, at age 55 you're still smoking you have that smoking history you can get the scan
3: if you don't mind, um, perhaps I could be a use case here. <laughs> I'm 47. I did smoke uh, from the age of roughly 21. So I started late. What a fool. Uh, through, you don't belong here anymore. Through 33. <laughs> well, I was stupid. So late. I totally <laughs> belong <here. laughs> um, So would it be to my advantage and to the advantage of others in my position to seek out a scan even if There was a significant expense associated with it.
2: I would say that um, definitely have the conversation with your doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, you know your body. Have the conversation with your doctor Um, if you have a uh, cancer in your family. You know, that might be something that they take into consideration. If the scan is affordable and will offer you peace of mind. Hmm. Um, I've I've had them done since I lost my dad. Um, I don't have a 30-pack history, but I have a really Shame great... Shame on you. I know, right? <laughs> but I have a really great doctor who knows that um, this is in my family and I grew up in a smoking household. And that, you know, we're we're all at risk. So he, he watches me. I'm like, you're going to save my life. <laughs>
1: mm. Nina, I like to talk about how when you enter the Shit Happens store, there's usually no greeter. But once you finish shopping in that store, you become the greeter for other people out there. And you are clearly doing that now. I want you to talk about how you funneled your advocacy efforts into this wonderful nonprofit initiative.
0: Well, I, I started out after... Um, with my own patient need, which was, I was sitting in a treatment chair for six hours at a time. This is before the clinical immunotherapy trial. But I was, I didn't always have friends there. It was during the day, you know, it's lots of time. and it Lonely. Was like, yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll, I didn't have somebody answering questions like, how am I? So I thought, oh, I'll just send a text. And then what I realized is that, the emojis were pretty pathetic for what I wanted to say, which was tired, I'll talk to you later, or um, busy right now getting treatment or waiting for treatment. There's a lot. of So I ended up thinking, well, I wish I had my own set of emojis for, for while I'm in treatment to send to my friends, like as a quick hello uh, to them, let them know how I was doing. So um, I did get through the first two years, and I started um, – Creating characters based on some drawings I did, M, which stands for empathy and Pat for patient, and um, I created 18 animated gifs or animated emojis that are free uh, to download.
1: Yeah, and and if you are familiar with texting on 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 iPhones, I think right, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can have custom stickers that live in your text universe out there, and you can very easily go to the App Store. And look for MPAT, empat, E M P A T. Yeah. And download these. And they're animated and they're fun. And it would be fun to see if they, they can move into like the Memoji space <laughs> mm. <laughs> where you get your animated face just all sad or happier. Uh-huh. But it, 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 it's such an indicative product of having gone through an experience and seeing a gap in. You know, the mental health, the emotional well-being. The, and the, how do you end the isolation? How do you normalize it to the extent that it's even remotely possible to do? So kudos for that. What kind of response have you seen? Um,
0: well, it's interesting which ones are very popular. And one of the ones is overwhelmed. I have one of my characters holding the... Oh, oh um, Just, Hang on. The,
1: Start over from one of my characters.
0: Yeah. I have one of my characters being overwhelmed and it shows uh, a vista up over his head so it's a a, you know bar a weight bar and the water's dripping and he just he just like he's under the weight of pressing like atlas yes like atlas and uh so it's just a lot of work for him to hold it up and that's true from social workers to caregivers to patients i think everybody feels it all comes on as a bit of a surprise and it's overwhelming from all those different aspects so that's a very popular one
3: what i love about empath mm. and there are, there are examples of people who've come up with greeting cards mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. provide the people connected to a person who's going through a therapy with a deeper understanding of the emotional impact of this experience
0: mm-hmm.
3: there are just a few notes on the piano that people tend to play when they hear that one of their friends is sick. Mm-hmm. And things like MPAT expose the rest of the piano. Oh. Look at you.
0: <laughs> Bravo, Playing Andrew. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the... And then, yes, That's exactly, deep. because on Summer By Jack Handy. Right. <laughs> i have having a good day and gratitude thank you thank you so much for helping me today things like that so i've hap- it goes the whole thing from i'm sad i don't feel well to boy i'm having a good day and so yeah. again
1: this this is so emblematic of how we find our way through and just to say it again become the greeter for the next person that un- invariably enters that shit happens store right
2: and how far we've come yeah, because you know, in 2002, there wasn't all of these social platforms there was or ODS no or anything like dial that. Up. So sh- there was dial-up. We should play the dial AOL up.
1: dial-up noise. There was yeah.
2: dial-up. I started a message board for people impacted by lung cancer, and so that that was a place for people just to connect and say, "Hey, I'm in the." What, what did you call it? The shit house.
1: The shit, the shit happens. Lung <laughs> cancer <laughs> store the Shit <laughs> The shit house. No, no. That's when we got in trouble as kids. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but and now we're looking at these great customizable, uh, customized emojis to express feelings because that's how we're communicating these days. So mm-hmm. that's pretty. We cool.
1: mentioned longevity a lot. We'll put links mm-hmm. in the description of the show, of course. But we should probably mentioned that you are a dominant advocacy force in this country for a very long time. Let's talk about the the organization.
2: Yeah, for a very long time. So Longevity's been around for 20 years now, and um, I've been um, full-time with Longevity and their survivorship arena for 10. So this is my 10-year anniversary. And um, Longevity is the leading lung cancer-focused nonprofit in the nation. Uh, We have the most uh, lung cancer resources. We have a robust, the largest online community. We have amazing um, researchers and scientists on staff. And we have amazing advocates like Nina who really want to uh, pay it forward, be a mentor for others, um, share their story, come to, to shows like this yes. and to raise awareness about how important it is to, to talk about lung cancer and to um, just self-examine yourself and your surroundings and, and take care of your health.
1: So as we start to wrap, I always like to turn it back over to our resident survivors and mm-hmm. ask them a couple of questions. One is, what would you tell yourself the day after you were diagnosed, that you would have liked to have heard, and what is your message to that new person that enters the same shit happens store?
0: It may sound like a bit of a leap, but what I had to go through was learning how to love myself. I'm getting very emotional right now. I think that I was so hard on myself my whole life, and I think I wish I, I. It took lung cancer for me to realize um, what was important to me in life. And I wasn't sure my values, they weren't bad, but they weren't targeted to things that I really cared about. So this whole experience has helped me really focus. And if I'd known if you survive this, you're going to be able to really make a difference and your life will suddenly have new meaning, that would have really encouraged me a lot.
1: So here you are. Yeah. in the store as yeah. the walmart creator walmart not a sponsor yeah. and someone walks in and sees you
0: mm. what do you tell them i give them a hug probably and say you know be careful of you know your lungs and your life and it's very precious i mean people say well like it's very hard for people to imagine almost dying but that's what happened to me and so um when you've actually been through that experience, as people do in many other ways, not just with lung cancer. I realize that. But it really does change your perspective. So the person at Walmart would just say, you're lovable matter. You matter to me.
1: And here's a coupon code.
0: <laughs> I mean, what do you think?
1: I believe that the you're not alone yes. still carries a lot of weight. Yeah. But these days, people want it backed up by show me how. And there are so many more ways Uh, to show them how today uh than ever before, because you can't know everything. And when you enter this market, it's not like you're buying a fridge or a car and you could pre-research it. No one says, I can't wait to get lung cancer (laughs) and go on this clinical trial that just got passed by the FDA. That doesn't happen. So what a great way to, to end the show on that fabulous note of empowerment beautiful mm-hmm. so katie brown from longevity nina Beatty, mpat what's yep. the website
0: uh mpatproject.com
1: MPAT Project. again we'll put links in the yeah. episode description and as always andrew mcdowell that's me the Thank least tr- among you the least among us
3: <laughs> that'll be my tagline for this episode only okay i will <laughs> agree to that <laughs> all right folks thanks
1: again we'll see you next time bye-bye
3: That's all for today, folks. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Our senior producers are Jen Horangeff and Andrew McDowell. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary. Our theme music is by the Mike Van Allen Quintet and by Mara. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com.